This morning we're in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And for those of you who are very technical and are maybe, uh, this might rub you the wrong way because you, you, if you're following the calendar, but we're going to talk about the Magi, the wise men as we call them, right? And, and really, chronologically, it doesn't kind of fit into the calendar right now because they came after Jesus was born. But we're on the other side of Christ's birth, His death, and His resurrection, right? So we're, we're going to learn because the Christmas season goes fast every year, doesn't it? And, and we're going to just focus on, on the wise men today, even though they had come to visit Jesus well after he was born, probably. Um, but, and we're going to learn a few lessons from them. And I think, I trust that there are lessons that whether you're a believer and you have faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior or not, if you haven't come there yet, if you haven't come to that point yet with God's help and his drawing, but that you will. But either way, there's lessons for us to learn here, four lessons from the wise men that I think we can take to heart. And if you are a believer, they can be a challenge and a reminder for us to continue on a path that God wants us to go. So let's read from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. The Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east. Now I want to pause there for one second. Because I don't want to, I'm not going to dwell on this, and that's why I'm doing it now. Otherwise I'll get on a trail and I'll get going. Maybe you've never really noticed this when you've read this story in the Bible. And you've read about the wise men and the birth of Christ, and especially with the wise men. But I want you to notice, because, and maybe you've read it, but just notice again if you haven't. The Magi said, and they said this, in the second part of verse 2, For we saw, what? His star. We saw His star in the east. It's so distinctive. It is so, it is different from any other star. And it's something that is revealed, shown as a sign, if you will, to the Magi for a specific purpose. We saw his star. It wasn't Halley's Comet. Maybe, we don't know. But it was his star. That star is described as his star. Whose star? Christ's star. The star that is Christ that points to star. It's God's star to the wise men. That celestial body, whatever it was, and there's debate about what that is, but it was something shining in the, in, in the sky. It was spectacular, special, and it was clearly seen by the Magi. It was his star. I'll just, what's your appetite? You can think about that, and you can kind of research that and, and go deeper with that, how important that is. It was his star. And when Herod, verse 3, and they said they've come to worship him. In verse 3, when Herod the king heard of it, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, 
Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. That's some star. That's, that's all I want to say. That is awesome. That is some star. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures. They presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. What are the lessons that we can learn from the, the Magi, the wise men, as recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2? First of all, I think that what we can glean right away is that God reaches out and makes every effort to reach every person who is far away from Him. These Magi were not close to home, if you will. They were hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And Matthew records that Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And the wise men were on a mission to find the newborn King of the Jews and to worship him. It's important to note that the wise men were likely Gentiles. They were probably pagans. In all, in all honesty. And they were not Jews who had come seeking the king of the Jews. See, the Jews thought that the promised Messiah was for the Jews. That's what their mindset, their, their thoughts were when they looked and they were preparing and anticipating. Not for the Gentiles. In fact, if you look in the Bible, all the first followers of Christ were almost initially exclusively Jewish. The first few chapters of the book of Acts, they were Jewish. The Christ was supposed to deliver them from their sins. He was supposed to deliver them from their oppressors, the Roman government. And listen, some of you might feel like that about our government. Well, come on, look to King Jesus. God will take care of everything. Don't worry, worship Jesus. Don't get all bent out of shape about your oppressors in your mind. Worship Jesus, submit to Him, and listen, it's all going to work out. You can have hope. Be hopeful. Jesus doesn't come to overthrow the government. One day He'll do that. Oh, and He'll do it in a spectacular fashion when He comes and He rules on this planet one day. But listen, the, the Jews thought that. And, and yet, the signal to the wise men was that God was calling them as Gentiles to the Christ. That's incredible. It's remarkable. God's plan of salvation for all people was already unfolding and God was doing His work and He's revealing Himself to these pagan Gentiles, if you will. Second, notice too about them that they didn't even share the religion of the Jews, of course. They didn't. They were magi, which was a combination, if I can put it this way, and you can phrase it maybe a different way if you do your own research, but they were learned scientists and cultic astrologers, on some level, to some degree, who had great political and religious authority, probably in their region, in their homeland. 
They were the scholars of their time, but they were also magicians and astrologers, which were practices that God had specifically forbidden for His people. And I will add, God still forbids them for His people today. Amen? Off limits. It is off limits. You will open yourself to a spiritual world or to things that will destroy you in the end because they lead you away from the Christ child, from Jesus, rather than bringing Him to you. Now, I'm putting an asterisk by that statement because of the comments I will make shortly. This was forbidden, and these are, these are people that God is revealing Himself to. Listen, here's the point. There is never, there is never anyone that is too far gone for God. Never anyone that is too far gone. Astrologers, magicians, whatever, wherever, whoever they are, they are not too far gone for God. And God finds a way to reveal Himself to them. If God can reach pagan Gentile astrologers, and there were other things as well, He is still working on people who we may think are too far gone. You might think you're too far gone. God still loves you and wants to reveal Himself to you. See, God never gives up on anyone, and He uses whatever means He can to help lead them to Christ, His Son, that He they can be reconciled, they can be reconciled to himself. And in this case, God sent a message using an astronomical event. By the way, tomorrow's the night of the Christmas star. Go out right after, right after sunset if it's clear enough, and go look in the, in, when it, when the sun's setting, and you'll see Saturn and Jupiter lining up. It's, it's, I'm going to check it out if I can. If we can. Hopefully we can see it. Check it out, the Christmas star, they call it. It was a star, this astrological event, to signal to them that they needed to search for the child born as the king of the Jews. Even though God, this is, we do not have permission to get involved in astrology and magic and everything else. We don't. You don't as a child of God. But listen to this. Even though God said that astrology is wrong, He still used a star or a celestial body to bring the wise men to Christ. Don't you love that about God? He will do anything He has to to get your attention on your level and in your world and where you're at. He will do that. God used a language, if you will, that they understood. And God knew the best way to reach astrologers was through a star to bring the Magi to Christ. Hallelujah! That's awesome. God will use whatever he has. You still have to go to Christ to get to God. But God will use what you know and where you're at to point you to his son and to lead you there when he he guides you. He will do that. See, not everyone knows. There was a point I didn't. There was a point where you didn't. Not everybody knows that they ought to seek Christ so they can have a relationship with their Creator God. And so God comes to us in ways that we can understand. He makes it relevant to us where we are at. And that is why God came in the flesh, so that He could be like one of us. I love that about Jesus too. I love that about God. So that He could talk to the people in their own language, so He could eat their food, so He could 
sweat and work like they did, you know, cutting the lumber with his dad when Jesus was growing up as a carpenter. He to experience the culture through their eyes so that he could tell us of our need for him and then seek him out. I love that about God, that he came for you and for me because he loves us and he reveals himself to us. Let me ask you a question. Do you know someone who you think is too far gone? I do. In my mind, I know some people like that. Do you think, let me ask you more specifically, do you think that you are too far gone? Do you feel that? Does your mind keep playing tricks on you? Do you keep feeling like you're in a hole and you can't get out and there's no one ever reach down and get me out of here? Do you ever feel that way? I want you to know something. God continues to love you and is working on you because he wants to bring you to his son, Jesus. He wants you to meet his son, Jesus. So we learn that God makes every effort to reach people who are far, far away from him. That's a powerful lesson. And a lot of us have experienced that ourselves in our own lives. And even if you're a Christian and you might be that one sheep that's way off and you're on the verge of and the brink of disaster and destruction because you've, you've wandered away from the flock and you're far away from the shepherd... God still sees you and He's calling out to you. Reach out to Him. He'll come. He'll rescue you. He loves you too much to leave you alone and to not come after you. The second thing the wise men teach us is that God wants us to diligently seek Him. We ought to diligently seek Him. By that I mean that we must seek out a relationship with Christ or or God through Christ. There is a danger a very real danger in thinking that knowing about Jesus is enough. And it leads to complacency. And we get comfortable with our knowledge of who Jesus is, the historical Jesus, and even the experiential one, if I could put it that way, in our own lives, at some point in our past. The truth is that we can all have the knowledge of the Bible. We can follow God's commandments even. And we can still miss what the Christian faith is really all about. It's about seeking Christ until we find Him and worship Him and serve Him. These Gentile pagan astrologers with only partial information about a Jewish Messiah, they set off on a journey of faith, and I am using that word intentionally, of faith to find the Christ, the King of the Jews. And it was a journey which there are all kinds of estimates, but was a long, long trip. Hundreds of miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles. And that journey cost them time, it cost them money, and it cost them their precious gifts. That journey, listen, we know that these magi only, again, they had, and I said it earlier, but they only had partial knowledge about the Bible and the Jewish Messiah because otherwise they would have known to look for the infant in Bethlehem. And they didn't. But they had faith. And they made an effort to seek out where he was so they could worship him. Now listen, on the other hand, 
on the other side of things, from opposite of those the, the Magi, you have the religious community in Jerusalem, and they're waiting for deliverance from Rome and their Messiah, and they had a firm grasp on scriptures, right? The scribes, the Pharisees, and all the leaders, and they adhered to all the rituals that they were supposed to, and they followed all the commandments, so much so that they were such professionals that now they could actually add to the commandments. Oh, yo, yo. That's how good they were. That's how good they were. They knew about God from their holy scriptures. And yet, when the wise men show up and they ask him where he is, Herod and all these religious leaders in all of Jerusalem were stunned to find out that the Messiah had been born. In fact, it says that they were disturbed or troubled upon hearing the news. They had either not seen the star in the sky or weren't able to interpret its meaning. They had no clue that their king had been born. And they had to take some pagan Gentile astrologers to tell them about the Messiah. Now again, it's God's doing. But this fascinates me and blows my mind and humbles me too. That we can lose sight of sometimes, and I I will share, just frankly, that even as a child of God, I, there have been times in my life, and, and not even too long ago, honestly, where you get caught doing something and you have somebody who is not a believer point out to you that you shouldn't be living that way. It's like revelation. But wait a minute, I, I know the Bible. I know that I sh- you know, my, my attitude and my words should be this, but then that person calls you out and they're, 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 not, even, they're not even followers of Jesus. And they remind, and God uses even that for us sometimes. Yes, He does, and I, I give God the glory for that. And here you have these magi come, and they, they reveal this to the religious leaders in Herod. And listen, rather than be overjoyed at the news that the Messiah has come, they're worried. And they're even probably skeptical, and they do nothing about it. Nothing. Think about that. Unlike the wise men who have traveled hundreds of miles to worship Christ, the religious leaders couldn't even travel six miles downtown to Bethlehem to seek out and worship the Christ. King Herod even sends the wise men off to find the Christ child in his place so that they can report back to him. It never mentions... And we see no mention of one person at least going to check out if the Magi's information might be true. I don't know. I I have lots of thoughts. I'll refrain. Never did it. We can have knowledge of the Bible. We can even have religious convictions. We can even live out God's commands to certain degrees to the letter and still miss the point. God is seeking a relation with us through His Son, Jesus the Christ. And He wants us to seek Him. And we can get so comfortable in our knowledge that we, well, we grow apathy and we grow complacent in our seeking after God. And what we find out is that when we seek Him, we will find Him. Hebrews 11.6 says that Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He rewards those 
who earnestly seek him. Earnestly. Like I'm all in, all my energies, all my effort, all my attention, my focus, and I'm going to find God. I'm going to find Jesus. There was nothing that was going to stop the Magi from finding where Jesus was. But the religious wise guys did nothing. Nothing. They knew it all. There's no way. And they did nothing. Nothing, and yet they could tell him the tell them the prophetic word of where it was supposed to be, but they did nothing. The Magi were rewarded for their journey of faith when they met Christ face to face, and they and they. There's nothing greater. Think about that. That reward of seeking God. God wants us to seek Him. That's a lesson we learn. Because the third lesson is, is that we must worship Christ. Because that reward, when we see Christ, we find Him. And once we find Him and we meet Him, all we can do is worship. Bow our knee, bow our heart, and worship and adore and love Him with all our heart energies. The wise men offered valuable gifts to God, the Bible says. And what do we offer? What do we offer? How do we offer it? See, worship is not an option when you meet Jesus. Once the wise men reached Jesus, it says that the first thing they did was worship. Just like the shepherds who had already visited Jesus and they worshipped Him singing praises to God. And it says of the Magi in Matthew's Gospel, verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child and His mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped Him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented Him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. They bowed down and they worshipped now, one way to worship, and in that culture, in that time, and even now, one way to worship is to bow low before another. It signaled this. It signaled one's submission to another as having authority over them. Now, I am going to make this comment because I think there's a fine line and we have become so comfortable in complacence with these things. And I know there are cultural ramifications or cultural, I should say, meanings and significance to these things. But there are certain things. You, you should not be bowing down to anyone but Jesus. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. You should not be bowing down to anyone but Jesus. Oh, I know it's a sign of respect and a reverence to my whatever. And No, you should not be. The roots of this are about acknowledging that you are submitting to somebody else's authority. Be careful. I'm not making a blanket statement here to condemn you or whatever. I understand those things. I'm familiar with that. I'm not just throwing that out and whatever. But be careful because it all, when you bow before someone, and the, the, these are, think about it, who they are. And that they come to a baby born in a manger and they bow down and worship. Oh, but that's not really what I mean. It's just reverence and respect. You're, there's a worship here. 
Be careful and watch your heart and what you're doing and who you're worshiping. Listen, that is why today, that is why today, and Pastor Dan and I here at New Hope Chapel, we always say, and the Bible is very clear, you can't have the Savior Jesus without the Lord Jesus. And it bears repeating every single service, honestly. We say that we must receive Jesus as Savior and as Lord. They came to Jesus and they recognized He was a Messiah, the Savior, but He was a King. And they bowed down in reverence and worship as a Lord because He is in control and we submit ourselves to Him. He is sovereign. They also worshipped in another way, not just bowing down, but they, they presented an offering of three gifts presented to Jesus as a sign of worship. To worship also means to offer something. We worship when we give our offering. We worship by giving our time. We worship by offering ourselves and our skills to God. We worship by offering that which is valuable to us. Amen? The gifts which the Magi brought were very valuable. They were given at great cost to themselves. The Christ deserved a worthy gift of His kingship. And so the first gift they brought was gold. And it speaks of something that lasts, of that eternity. And, of, and it, it's a treasure deserving of a king. And then they bring frankincense as a fragrant scent offered up to God during sacrificial worship. And you, in the Old Testament, it would only be offered to God by a priest. And by the way, Jesus is called our high priest in the Bible. And they bring to Him this frankincense. And who now brings up our prayers and all our worship before God the Father so it's a pleasing aroma? Jesus, our great mediator, our high priest. And they bring Him frankincense. And then they come and they bring Him myrrh. Myrrh was used to embalm Jesus when He died. It's interesting, and I wonder if it was the same myrrh that He had received from the wise men at His burial. Probably not, but I don't know. It's just something to think about. Myrrh used in the embalming process. It was a gift symbolizing the preservation, the preservation of life after death. And of course, who preserves our life after death forever but Jesus Himself. It was a gift for a Savior who would die for all of us. Let me ask you and just make it very practical and relevant here as we have a few more minutes and we get to our last point. But i got to ask you this. i got to go there. What are you bringing to God? And I'll share again because I can share this because I've been here. What I'm going to tell you is I've been here. And not even long ago. You don't even know if it was even last week. Because how many of you, and I'm sorry, I'm not calling you out because I don't know who you are, but I am calling you out, but I don't know who you are, so don't take it personal. But take it personal. Take it to heart. I know, I'm confusing, ain't I? How many of you have to drive three or four miles to come worship on a Sunday morning for those of you who are here in person. And some of you just rolled out of bed, barely conscious, maybe didn't even brush your teeth because well, I wear a mask now so nobody <laughs> smells it except for me. Your mind is hardly engaged and you come over here and you're going to worship God. Now, but God looks at the heart. Oh man, your heart is so connected to where you're, how your mind is ready and your attitude. And when you come in like that and you don't prepare yourself, these guys traveled hundreds of miles. They prepared something to bring. 
They brought gifts by faith, knowing they would bring it to him. And we can take such a lazy approach to our worship, and we're not engaged, and we think it's acceptable to God. You've got to prepare yourself. Come ready. When you recognize who God is, give him everything you've got. And we love to give God just whatever. We become mechanical. It's the motion. We become, we know it already. We become the scribes and the Pharisees. And, and you, you could even be 12 years old and you could be that. You know enough about God, but you just rolled out of bed, you come in here, and you think you're going to worship God. Now, please, I love you. That's not the point. The point is, you've got to come with something to give to God. You've got to offer and give Him your energies. Be engaged. Give Him your thoughts, your mind, your attention when you're fully awake and alert and not half conscious. Thank you for coming. And I don't know who you are, but, but, but be awake when you're worshiping the Lord. Because, and that might be something that's valuable to you. So give up that extra 20 minutes of sleep. Can I just tell you honestly, and I'm not here to pat myself on the back, and I know there's a lot of you that do this too. But you will, not, you will never find me getting up at 4.30 in the morning just to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Okay, that's just, that's just not me. All right. However, my ritual, and I will call it my routine, is that on Sunday mornings, I get up at 4.30, 4.45 the latest. Why? It's, and I'm not bragging. It's because i got to get this brain together. And i got to wake up. Because you know what? I have come in here in times. And I've been in different environments like you have. And I'm hardly awake. And I'm hardly engaged. And I'm sitting there. It doesn't mean that God isn't talking to me or I can't worship. But man, I want to be alert. And I want to bring something to God that matters and is valuable. My energy, my attention, my focus, my words that I'm carefully thinking about. And it's connecting between here and here and not just here. And I forgot what I said. Listen, that's why I do that. How do you come? What do you offer? What do we bring or offer to Christ which is costly to us? What do we lay at His feet? We must worship Christ if we've met Him. And we come here together to meet Him. So let's worship Him. Lastly and quickly, The wise men teach us that we need to be continued to open to God's Spirit. See, the wise men, they obeyed God's direction by not returning to Herod. But these guys, they're like, who are they? They're astrologers, magicians. Wait a minute, they met Jesus, but they already, God had been revealing himself to them. God had been revealing himself to them. And they hear, they, 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 they will not go back the same way once they've met Jesus. The journey to the, to, to the Christ and their reward of faith had taught them to remain open to God's leading. See, this, there is never a point in our lives when we can say that we've arrived in the sense that we've got the Christian life all figured out. I just revealed how far away I am from that when I come in here all sleepy a lot of times. We haven't got it all figured out. Hopefully we're getting wiser and better and, 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 and pleasing God more and more in our lives, but we haven't. We need to seek Him regularly, even as Christians. And if you're not, please seek Him. He wants, you, he wants to meet you. We need to worship Him. But these aren't a one-time event. We must continue to remain open to God's leading. Scripture concludes by telling us in verse 12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
Once you've met Jesus, you can never go back to the same road that you were on. And nobody says amen because maybe you haven't met Jesus. No, I'm kidding. You, you can't. If you've met Jesus, you can't go back on that same road. Everything is different. It's changed when you realize who you have bowed your knee and your heart and your life to and you worship Him and you offer up gifts to Him and you walk away and you go away a different person and you go a different way every single time. In fact, it'd be great if it was every single day for us because we need constant recalibration. Seek Him. Worship Him. Be open to His leading and become what He wants you to be. Follow His lead. Even though the wise men had found the Christ child and they worshipped Him, they weren't done. It wasn't, okay, I did my duty. I'm glad that this mission is over. And let's get back to regular life. Their seeking God didn't end with meeting Christ. They continued to remain open to God. And God gave them a message and a dream. That's pretty cool, I think. It's amazing. To know so clearly. And they knew that it was God. It was supernatural, but it was God himself. And they did not obey man's voice, Herod's voice. They obeyed the voice of God. Boy, do we need that as well in our lives. It's better to obey God than men. They recognized this dream as a message and they obeyed. They didn't go back to tell Herod because little did they know that Herod was making plans to try to kill this king of the Jews by having young boys slaughtered. The point is clear. Jesus, I'm sorry, just because we have sought Christ and found Him doesn't mean that we are at the end of our journey. It's not over. It's only the beginning. God wants us to be open to the leadings of His Holy Spirit. It may not be a dream, but God still speaks to us in many different ways. And listen, I keep, we keep reinforcing this. Right here, brothers and sisters, right here, my friends, God reveals himself through the scriptures over and over and over. Read it in your eyes. You'll be amazed at what you see and how God will speak to you so clearly. And in your prayer, as you seek God, God speaks to you to lead us away from danger and to stay focused on his plan. I guess the real point is this. Once you've been given a sign like a star that points you to Jesus, you must seek Him. And when you find Him, you can't help but worship Him. And your meeting Him means that you can never go back on the same road again because His ways are better than yours. What place are you at today? Are you the one that's far from God that is hearing the calling And you're hearing, you're feeling, and you're sensing the Spirit to come seek His Son, to meet His Son. Remember that God continues to seek you no matter where you come from. And no matter what your background is. No matter what you've done. No matter how you feel. God still calls out to you and He says, come seek me. Come seek me. Come meet me. If you are here, it's a great place to begin that journey. God promises that if you seek Him, you will find Him, and you will be rewarded on your journey of faith. Are you a seeker who has begun the journey to personally meet Jesus Christ? Don't give up on that journey, because God has not given up on you. Are you a worshiper of Christ? In other words, are you a Christian? Are you a believer this morning? And you're sitting here, you're watching. What have you offered Him? 
What have you given him? I can tell you what he wants the most is not your money. It's not your time. God likes all that and he wants all that. He expects all of that. He wants you to give those things. But really, what he really, really wants is you. All of you. Every single part of you. Every little corner in your heart, not just a little you know, room in the back of your house. And you, he wants all of it. All of it. Lastly, are you opening yourself to God's continued leading in your life? God continues to speak to us, to let us know where we need to be and where we should not be. But we have to be willing to listen to Him through prayer and through His Word written in the Bible. God wants us to follow His agenda wherever it may lead. And so, before I pray, today and every single day, let's learn from the wise men that God reaches out to each one of us, no matter how far away we are from Him. And so let's seek, let's worship, and let's follow the King of kings, the Son of God, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because he's the one whose birth it is that we celebrate at Christmas, isn't it? Let's do that joyfully and thankfully. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we would take to heart, we would be encouraged and challenged, that we might become more like you, that we would never give up seeking you and hearing your voice and coming to, to, to know an ever deeper relationship with you. So, Father God, I pray today that you would send signs, Lord, today to those who are seeking you or to those who aren't even seeking you yet, but I pray you reveal yourself to them and draw them to yourself that they might come to know you, the one who came in bodily form in the flesh as a child who lived a perfect life, died for their sins, rose again. And, Father, I pray, give them the faith to confess and admit their sins, God, that they might become children of God. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you never leave us, you never forsake us, and we thank you for all the means by which you reveal yourself to us. Thank you that it all goes through Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're with us till the end. Well, so I pray as we go today, we would celebrate with joy overflowing in our hearts that you have come to be our Savior and our King. In your awesome name we pray. Amen.